Hi, everybody. It's time again for the Mikey and Al podcast. I'm Mikey. And I'm Al. And we have a great guest today. We have Dan Brown, who Dan is Brown. the owner of uh, The Warehouse in Newburgh. Yep. Now, The Warehouse has been a mainstay for quite some time now, over, I think, close to 15 years. Is that Fif- correct, Dan? Yeah, 15th yeah. anniversary coming up. One of, the, one of the best burgers, if not the best burger I can get in i think in 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 newburgh or the uh in the surrounding area so you know we're very very happy to have dan on today um we want to give a shout out to empire empire original designs uh join the in terms of any kind of challenge coins anything needed out there for first responders please go to this website because they are literally the best at what they do so i would say empire coins uh original uh join the empire.com please go there for any uh you know any needs in that capacity so dan give us a little insight now you are the owner of uh the warehouse now you've had that for around 15 years is that correct february uh february 2009 we opened february so 2009 we're coming up on the 15th anniversary now what made you select this area what made you select newburgh why did you think newburgh would be the place to come to be able to own, you know, to be able to open up a restaurant of that nature and make it work. Well, my wife and I lived in Manhattan, uh, in New York City. Okay. And uh, we had had friends that had homesteaded up here, let's say, in the 80s. And then this one person that had homesteaded, she came back to New York. She was a friend of the family. Okay. And um, she was given a house up here by her ex-husband. Okay. Up here in Newburgh. And she came up, she went to live in the house. Of course, she had nothing. She lived in the apartments in the city her entire life. And, you know, she was like a Ziegfeld showgirl. And, you know, like okay. this, you know, uh, martini in one hand, cigarette in a holder in the other, and all that type of stuff. So Love usually, it already. Usually home improvement is not the uh, not your forte. Okay. So my wife would come up and help her. My wife's name is Michelle, by the way. And she kept saying about, well, there's some really nice architecture up there, this and that, and so forth. And so one day, uh, as was coming into the mid to late 90s, the rent control situation in New York, once again, it rears its ugly head. Kimmer Halfton was once every two years. Like, mm-hmm. You're going to get rid, get, get rid of rent control departments. Uh, we had a rent control department and a beautiful apartment up in Washington Heights, up near the Cloisters. And sat down with paper and we said, you know, we're waiting for the stay of execution for our rent just going through the roof. We in turn are uh, just putting money in a landlord's pocket. And after another 10 years from now, our rent's going to be just so much, and uh, I really don't want to, you know, I don't want to work that hard anymore. Right, so, but so wait a minute. So you had a rent control apartment right. for, for a period of time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I thought those were gold in Manhattan. So, I mean, if you have a rent-controlled apartment, basically mm-hmm. it's stabilized so you can't go over a certain amount right. per year. Is that how it works? That's I'm how not it really works. sure. You know, in our rent our rent at that time, we had uh, we had like three three bedrooms uh, up that's and, huge, and yeah. in, in New York. Oh yeah, and this is this is up in this is up in the pre-warm buildings type. You know, up there in the, right, up, right. like 181st Street. Okay. Uh, you know. Oh, Riverdale kind of. Yeah, or, just yeah. Yeah, ah. south of Riverdale. Uh, you know, so we had it there, and then we were if they'd gone condo or co-op, we would have bought it. Okay. It came. But the thing was, is putting more money out, more money out. This rent control thing is going to end one day. Yeah. And I always, you know, felt that you know I always wanted to own a home and have equity. Okay. As far as that, so. We had the friend up here who had gotten the house. 
my wife had seen, you know, some of the buildings up here. Mm-hmm. We came up and met a handful of people that were living in Newburgh at that time. And what year was that? I mean, 1997. 97, okay. Yeah, yeah, we okay. Moved. And we came up and we think went up one day, uh, we went out looking at houses and we came upon the house that we presently have. My wife walked in and said, que bella. How beautiful. Really? Yeah. It's, okay. like, it's a farmhouse type. It's very simple. It's built in 18. The basement is from the 1700s. These upper floors from like the 18, 40, 1830s up to the 1880s. Right, it's right, been right. added on to. And we came here. And, you know, although Newburgh was challenging at that time, uh, when you come into Newburgh, you either fell in love with it or you were repulsed by it. That's leave. true. Run for the hills. That is true. That is true. You either love it or hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, and I have uh, both. It's almost like Staten Island. Yeah, that we broadcast from down here. Yeah, yeah it's a wonderful place. It's, it's like so a Staten so Island kind of a feel. You either hate yeah. it or you love it. You right. want to get the fuck out of you. Yeah, Staten yeah you're horrified or like you're, <laughs> Man, you're just, you're just it, attracted <laughs> to it. Yeah, you come in, like I said, and like I've had friends come visit me. Right. I'd say, look, if you're going to come downtown, Visit us at drive this road, that road, whatever this road is. And if they make the wrong turn, yeah, yeah, sure. Sometimes you never see them again. It's not like something happened to them, <laughs> yeah. but they just said, you know, one of my friends said, right. God, what a, what a shithole. I'm not going back there. I said, <laughs> you should have followed my yeah. directions. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, come yeah. On, you know? But you know what? I mean, if you think <laughs> about Newburgh in terms of like being in, in, in from a, uh, a landscape perspective, right. I mean, you're right off here by the, uh, oh. by the water. Yeah, I mean, it's gorgeous, but yeah. Newburgh has been beaten the fuck up yeah. for quite some time. Yeah. And it's a shame because Mike and I talk about this too. Mm-hmm. And we'll drive through, you know, the city of Newburgh. Right. And the architecture, the buildings, oh. what it was at, at some point in time. I mean, you was just unbelievable. Yeah. And, and you, then, you yeah, go, to, go ahead. You go to Landers Street, and there's like rows and rows of like 1800s, like brownstone oh, type apartments. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And you, yeah. you know, so that's why that's why Newburgh has become very popular with the movie business. Yeah, because true, it's true. it's doubled as uh, as Brooklyn, it's doubled as yeah. Ohio, it's doubled as a, in a period piece. Sure. Some of the buildings, you know, uh, it's lot, coming back into its own a little bit. Correct? It has, yeah, yeah. it has. Yeah. It's been a lot of. So, so mm-hmm. you're okay. So you ca- you guys came up here. You you found a place. You're like, okay, we're moving. You know, we're mm-hmm. moving, not the moving on up kind of strategy. Oh, no. But you know what? A, a lot of people do it. They moving just on like north. Yeah, yeah moving yeah, on yeah. north. Yeah, they so. they get out. So you you moved up here, and then you were thinking to yourself, okay. What's the next step? When did the restaurant come into, uh, well, into I was, play with you? I was working uh, in Westchester. I was working in the city at that time. Okay. When I left to um, come up here, I got went to work in, in – I, I took this period of time where I worked in the chains. Started in Manhattan uh-huh. for educational purposes in the business, you know, different things. Um, and then I came up here. I got hooked up with businesses up here, but I was still driving 50, 60 miles a day into Westchester. Okay. And then I was also, at one point, when we first moved here, I was working in Staten Island. So I would drive 90 Ooh. miles one way, and I'd drive in the middle of the night in this little Honda Civic. I mean, just yeah. bizarre. Yeah. It was, yeah. You know, and it, it was like Twilight Zone. Go Where home. in Staten Island? Where were you working? I was working in an Applebee's and so oh, the Applebee's okay. in the in the mall. I know that place. I've been there yeah. many, many, many times. Did you know that Applebee's times? was like numbered like one of the top five in the world? I didn't know that volume wise. Oh no, I didn't know that place was a zoo. 
you know. Yeah, I've been appled. And you know what? I love their little, uh, they got the uh, baby the boneless, no, the boneless uh, wings and all that kind of stuff. But if you if you give me a, if you give me my choice, my choice is not going to be Applebee's, but it's decent for what it is. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. It, but, but it was an education. For what it is. You see, why do chains exist? Because they're okay. consistent. They're consistent. Okay. They and are you, consistent. You go, to a, you go to an Applebee's or you go to a Friday's or whatever, if they're part of the game, yeah, you go to Friday's in Akron, Ohio, yeah, or you know, or Bayonne, New Jersey. Yeah, they have the same menu. Consistent. You're going to have that reliable. Oh, that's Come true. That's in, true. You're in New York City, right? Gotcha. The greatest places in the world to get restaurants. Yes. Yeah. Theater, Broadway. Absolutely. Please tell me, how does an Olive Garden survive in Times Square? I don't even get it. Because no. everybody goes Comfort. from out of town. Their impress- yeah. impersonation of Italian food is Olive Garden. Yeah. They go there because it, let's go to Olive Garden. Meanwhile, it's like, you know, there's an award-winning restaurant here. Or exactly. small trattoria exactly. that you can eat at. But, yeah. but most Americans are not. They're not very. Uh, You're right. You're right, though. I think it all becomes marketing and whatnot. Because yep. Olive Garden, let's be honest i don't want i don't think i've been to olive garden probably maybe once in my life but but, but i know some but, people that can't live without it well you know like what? it's there like you it's go. like whoo like it, it calms if the nerve when south, you're away from home if you're down south if you're down south and olive garden is probably like a freaking waffle house you want to go <laughs> to it yeah <laughs> that's what that, i went down here but town of georgia is like there's a waffle house i've been to it. i was like <laughs> you gotta go you gotta <laughs> I mean, come on, it's part of the american american landscape Gotcha. Yeah, you got to get some yeah. grits and uh, biscuits yeah. and gravy at the exactly at, uh, at four house. in the morning. You know, I understand. Yeah, no doubt. So your 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 trajectory was coming up to New. York. Okay, so what were your thought process? Because quite, fr- I mean, from what I understand, I speak to friends who are in the business. I mean, being in the um, restaurant business right now is it's it's pretty challenging. I mean, yeah. it's 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 a lot of, you know. I don't know how that's impacting you guys specifically, you know, with the inflation, the cost of food and all that kind of stuff. How does that impact you? We adapt. I mean, like I've got, you know, it's, is that just, you know, as let's go to the COVID era. We never closed during COVID unless dictated by the powers that be upper management. That's impressive. So you close. We didn't, we stayed open. Okay. Uh, we had to, um, my wife was able to take advantage of a lot of the different programs okay. to help us. And the thing is with those programs, it's not like you're just filling out an application to join a fan club. It's a lot of involvement. You right. To, they, they put you through the paces to get this money. Okay. Might, and it takes a full-time job. almost like going for grants. You have to. You got to go for it. You got to be just so we got that. And then we like started, we always had takeout, but we embraced like the three takeouts, you know, Grubhub and, and DoorDash yeah, sure. and those things, yeah. and we opened a door, a draw, a window um, on the side. We put a little ledge on it, and uh, you know, in, in, in reference to the comedy of Newburgh, it was called the drive-by window, and uh, you, got, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and we and, and yeah. we would sell, you know, and we did a lot of takeout, and uh, but we just you know tightened the bend, belt, and it was a great time to like reinvent yourself or at least get your bearings straight. I think you had to be, you had to be a little, you know, out of the box in terms of how you were trying to, to, to serve people to get through that, to, yeah. to get through that hump. Now, why the warehouse? I mean, creativity, you know, from a creative standpoint, I've been in the way the burgers again are exceptional, but I mean, I, I don't want to say it's burger based, but would that be off candor? Oh, no, burger, or, no or? burger. Burger was we sell a lot of burgers. Okay. We sell a lot of wings. It's comfort food. Okay. But then we have a fried chicken. Now we also have a huge vegan and vegetarian menu. Okay. Something I wanted to tap into because okay. all the years I was in the business, um, 
you'd have friends go out with friends and you know, people weren't vegans 20 years ago, 30 years ago. They were vegetarians. Yeah. And yeah. you go with a group of people and you know, you're having a steak. He's having pasta. Yeah. The friend who's a vegetarian is eating steamed broccoli. You know, it's true. Well, look, think about sure. that. That was That's the only your pops. That was your father. Yeah, his yeah. father is a uh, my best friends complete vegan. vegan. Yeah, um, but you have very limited, you know, very limited, limited choices. Yeah, they're eating like peanuts while the rest of us are eating steaks. Right. Then you, you know? go, and then when you leave, you say, "Hey, do you like the restaurant?" Yeah, you know, broccoli's broccoli. Uh, it's you true. Know, it's like it's hard to fuck that up somehow. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, no, you so, can talk how you want. Yeah. Oh, good. So anyhow. You can't so, really fuck up. Bro- I mean, you can. Well, you can, but it's you know it's yeah. pretty difficult. You know, yeah, you yeah, got to really. True. You burn the broccoli. I mean, come on, I mean, <laughs> either that or yeah. it just wilts like that's you, it. You, just, you, yeah, you, you, melted you, into like a gray. Yeah, thing. something like that. <laughs> to a gray mass. Exactly. Yeah, my mother used to microwave <laughs> broccoli into that kind of state. Oh, it just turned. Yeah. Why you don't, you don't like this? Oh, that's. <laughs> no. So the warehouse, you got the property, and you said to yourself, you know what? I think this place needs a uh, a burger place. Because, I mean, well, the warehouse literally has, mm-hmm. I, I got to say, there's been a lot of restaurants in that area where you're at who have come and gone, and you guys have all, you know well, been able to uh We have something for everybody every day. Yeah, yeah. You could have a steak, but you can come in and have just sit at the bar and have mozzarella sticks. You can have, you can have a certain thing and this and that. Now with the vegan and vegetarian thing. You know, that, like I said, if you, the person who's the vegan or vegetarian, they leave. Yeah, sure. But, so I figured, look, they got to be part of the breaking of the bread. They got to be part of the ceremony. Gotcha. You know, compared to prostitution, I think breaking bread with friends is the <laughs> second oldest profession in the world, you yeah. know, or something like that. Yeah. You know, so you, you have this and they have selections. So I put out like, you know, five or six, you know, dishes at first. Mm-hmm. And people came. So, wow. And so you go out with those same people again. You have steak you have this the vegetarian offers orders a full meal right now they leave did you like the place yeah great they actually have something i could eat this and that what do they do they tell their other vegetarian friends they tell their other, and the long as the quality is there quality and it has grown and it has grown to the right now the new menu coming out we at the last menu we had 29 items of a vegan and vegetarian nature wow you know from appetizers to desserts and desserts don't even count at that 29 now it's going to get its own menu with another five or six items. Nice. So it has it. When you come in, you get the menu that has the burgers and the steaks and da da da. And then say, well, would anyone like, anyone like to see the vegan menu? Vegetarian. Okay. Wow, I'd like to see that. Not only that they can have it to read, they can take it home. There we go. This the to go menu is my menu inside the place. So Perfect. that's that's the whole ideology behind it. And. Um, yeah, it's Mike. One of my names for the restaurant is called the Warehouse, where herbivores and carnivores peacefully coexist. I think it's great, and oh, I wonderful. think that it's very eclectic <laughs> inside. It's oh. okay. So, give us a little background about you, Dan. I understand back in the seventies, you did a little touring with some of the groups. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say a did... tour. I worked primarily out of New York. Okay. I, I know, you know, there are, there are people that have their you know, uh, you you have people that have their private bodyguards to go around. No, that was not my job. I okay. worked security for them in different events and certain things, stuff like this. And okay. you know, back in the back in the seventies, I came back from the military, and um, I came from Terrytown, New York, home of the Headless Horseman and Sleepy sure. Hollow and all yeah, that yeah. jazz. And um, a bunch of us that we knew would go down to the local YMCA to the weight room and, and work out. And there okay. was an older guy there. I won't say older at that point. Uh, he must have been possibly forty-five, but to us, he was. He was guy, an older guy. You know. It'd be crazy we're fucking older than that. Yeah, that I know. Know. Well, <laughs> an no, old dude. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty scary, ain't it, yeah. some days? Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, we'd work out, and his name was Stuart. And Stuart um, 
had, he goes, you know, my son is working down to Studio 54. And, Studio 54. And he said, you know, they need people. So one by one, people started getting hired from the group in Terrytown, and we all ended up working down there. Now you're in the middle of, like, the hottest night spots in New York City. Got to give you me know, a vibe, Dan. You know, and what was the vibe? The vibe was, you know, it was the 70s. There's a lot of decadence going on. Okay. I mean, cocaine it was just. Cocaine and pubic hair. What's that? Yeah, cocaine <laughs> and pubic hair. I mean, you know, there was like, you know. It's, the drugs. Was cocaine, the, I, I think, was oh, that the 70s great, choice? Okay, cocaine. Well, cocaine was the club drug. I mean, and okay. when people say, how old are you? I would say, I'm old enough that when cocaine was really expensive and pot was cheap. <laughs> okay. So, you know. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it's so that turned around, you start meeting people, you network, yeah. you know, and then from there, like uh, Michael Jackson came through town doing some stuff. He was there for parties and stuff. There was an honorary, honorary party for Yule Brenner. Wow. You know, for King and I when he was really? dying and they had a big party there. He worked there. Tony Perkins from Psycho. It was another time there. You see celebrities all the time. Yeah. And with Michael, I kind of hung around with him a little bit and so forth and so on um, to the point where, like, when I saw him a number of years later, I had a photo. It was funny. We went to this um, at the party for Yul Brenner, and there's this photograph of Michael Jackson, Yul Brenner, his wife, some other people involved. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, it's like me and this other guy on the end. And we knew the photographer. So we basically, I think we basically like hip checked Yul Brenner's son out of the way <laughs> and uh, go over there. And we like kind of in the end standing there looking stern. Huh. I saw Michael a number of years later and I said, you know, I got, I saw, actually I saw his, his handler. And no one ever talks about this guy. There was a guy, I don't know if he was a retired cop. His name was Bill. Okay. I, remember, I can't remember his last name. Bill looked somewhat, he'd wear a rumpled like Columbo trench coat. He had like the, Kind of like the Are We Not Men, like one of those hats on the Devo cover. You pull it down, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, not not the sure. not the plastic thing. One of those. Uh, he looked kind of like the, the character of Grady in Sanford and Son. Okay, he looked just like this average guy on the street. I remember Grady to and, a T, but go ahead. Yeah, but this is how he looked like, and he'd come in and he'd surveil everything, and he was like, I think he was like Michael Jackson's like personal bodyguard. This, I believe this guy, it. This I guy looked yeah, so yeah. unassuming. Yeah. He wasn't like a Mr. T. This guy looked like this looked like a guy you'd see at the OTB. He probably connected all the dots for him. You yes, know what I mean? Well, yeah, I don't know yeah. if he was a retired cop, but yeah, he yeah. maybe could sure. read the room, whatever it was. Yeah. And I remember running into him a couple years later. <laughs> and uh, a couple years later, and I says, Bill. And I go, Bill, we start talking and this and that. And he goes, oh, yeah, we, I, was at, I was in a restaurant somewhere. He said, well, Michael's coming in. I was, And I said, you're going to be here for a while. He says, yeah, do you mind? I have a picture of me and Michael. Would he sign it for me? That's one of the few times I ever got autographs. Okay. You know, and the job being bodyguard, you don't ask for autographs. Yeah, yeah. You know, you I know don't. what you but mean. But yeah. I was kind of like, ah, that was past tense, whatever, it was a couple years later. Mm-hmm. Came in, looked at the picture. Oh, that's me and that's this. And that's you. Wow. And then he signed it to me and I went on my merry way. Right. Um, but you always ran into people in the city as far as celebrities are concerned. Well, that was a big, I mean, 54 was it for oh, yeah. Yeah. Anybody, I mean, quite I a few it. years, right? Truman Capote, I mean, everybody, right? Any, anybody and everybody that was in New York, and that became, but that also was in tune with the decadence of the city. Now, let me ask you the decadence of the city at that time, mm-hmm. 54, and Coke being what it was at that given time, was it almost prolific to say that, I mean, people were just openly partaking or was there no was there was there 
more of a, you know, people were still trying to be like, okay, I'm not really doing it. Keep it you under know. your hat. Bathroom small. Bathrooms are always a popular right. hangout. Right. You know, mm-hmm. we're doing that. And, and it was so funny when people think of the VIP rooms in um, nightclubs. Uh, you went to Studio 54, and there was the main floor you went to. There were staircases that went up to the balcony. Okay. And there was a third floor, which went to like a private bar area. Mm-hmm. But it was part of the original theater. You know, a couple, they made a couple of adaptions, but it was a theater at one point, so it had these layers. Okay. Levels. And um, the thing about it, you say, oh, you know, people, where do, they, where do the people do cocaine? Where do this and that? You know, the VIP lounge. Oh, basically, sure. in the basement, no, in the basement, you walk down the steps, in like a next to the boiler room uh-huh. with like some fluorescent light flickering like you're in like, you know, a, a Saw movie, right? And they, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, they, yeah, and they, then they would have like either a milk crate, milk crates with a black, you know, there's always the black curtain. Everything, you know, everything, everything, everything's cl- gonna everything, have a black everything but everything in clubs is is dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't turn the light on during the day. Okay. You know, gotcha. night, like if you went to the, when you, you know, oh yeah, grime. Oof, you know, can mm. only imagine. Whatever you do, don't walk through with a UV light. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, you don't want to see what. No, it, no, what I don't, it, it, I don't, I don't want to call CSI. Yeah, to, you know, exactly. look for my wallet. I'm with you. <laughs> you know? I'm with you. So, anyhow, the VIP lounge would be this little room in the bottom, and they'd have this. Like I said, it, it could be a table or it'd be milk crates, and then you'd have a, pe- a black, like a tablecloth. Then on top, you'd have nothing more than a big piece, big fucking mirror. That's it. Okay. And the surrounding it was like, you know, this, you know, the, the one, would be chairs like this. They'd be like folding chairs from like an Amway meeting or the VFW. Uh, and they'd be in a circle, and everybody would sit there and do blow. Yeah. Wow. You know, drink oh, champagne. Wow. You know, and, like a reverse uh, AA but, meeting. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, is that thing is that it was still very discreet. Now, yeah. I'm not saying that people, you know, they had things you could put in your nose that looked of like course, suppository, of you know, with all kinds of tools and gimmicks. So anything, right. you know. So let me ask and you this went. then. So right. was there back in, in, in that time frame, because I'm always thinking about covers nowadays, you, you can pay $40, $50 to get into a club. Was mm-hmm. there a cover on uh, there was on Studio 54? I'm yes. curious at that Off time. the top of my head, I would like to say it would have been 10 bucks. I, I okay. can't off the top of my head, I can't remember. But I know, that, I know that buying a buying a Heineken or a, you know, a beer, there weren't, you know, first off, it wasn't like the micro craze. It wasn't like you had, you had oh, sure. Heineken, you had... Yeah. Michelob, you had a few things there. Okay. I would like to say a, a, a beer had to have been somewhere around between six and ten dollars. Okay, for a beer, oh, that's you know, still a lot back then. That's a lot, but, yeah. But people them. made Jeez. more money. Yeah, of course. You know, your yeah. rent was cheaper. You made more money, but you're, I, I mean, I made more money in this, not just doing what I was doing. I knew people in the seventies made more money than they make today. I believe that. You know, I at believe the end that. Of the day, and yeah. then it cost a lot less to. Yeah, you spend that no, money. I so, get it. but I it was a luxury. You're going to the city, you're going to park. You know, nowadays it costs you fourteen dollars. Was it cost eighteen dollars to drive south to Fourteenth Street? Yeah. By the time you get into Chinatown, I'm taking a loan out. Cost you, you know? fifty-five, sixty. That's yeah, true. Just to yeah. park. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't get anywhere cheap in the city anymore. Oh God, no. Yeah. No. I mean, the train up here from up here is like five, six hundred dollars a month. Easy. Yeah. And yeah. then you know, rents of creep. I don't know how people do it. I don't know. I mean, you know what? Living in the city right now, I think because I lived in the city, I lived on the Upper East Side for a long okay. period of time, but I had a studio apartment. And I still paid, I think back then, I want to say I paid $1,900. Okay. Um, which was for a walk-up. And it had literally on the left-hand side of the uh, of the thing, it said, please. And it was posted because there's women who lived in the building, too. It said, please do not throw your um, 
you know, your feminine products in oh, the fucking yeah, toilet. The so the- here I'm paying $1,900 for a fucking studio apartment, and I still got to be subjected to this kind of fucking, you know, crayon markings and whatnot. Yeah. It gives you an insight as to what I was paying for versus what, you know, some of the higher end would some be some of the higher end kind of apartments. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, Fifth yeah. Avenue. Kind you don't of shit. get shit there that's probably you know gorgeous for under three, four thousand dollars a month. Oof. So what happens is in 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 New York, in my opinion, is it's great if you're there solo, but once you have a child or something like oh, that, oh, it's a whole different. Ball. Oh, it's a whole different ball because sure. you just can't you you just can't afford being you can't afford a two bedroom. Can't afford yeah, anything. I mean, it's no. just yeah, incredible. Well, that's insane. why that's why places like yeah. Newburgh now have become yeah, popular exactly. because think about it. They just this foundry building over here. They completed this foundry, correct? A bunch of apartments uh, that in three and a half years that the sat it sat around as like a folly for thirty three and a half years. Correct. Couldn't couldn't get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Now those rents there. There's one big two thousand square foot apartment. Right. Yeah. Big. Ceiling to floor windows. You got uh-huh. some of the architecture from the thing. It's three thousand a month. There you go. See? Now, but Crazy. but three thousand though. They're not trying. To, they're not trying to rent it to you or me up here. Mm-hmm. They're renting it to the guy that is in the city right now, paying six thousand dollars a month. Sure. For yeah. even no beautiful view of the river. Yeah. Okay. Probably working remotely out of his house. Absolutely. So correct. now yeah. you're actually saving money by moving up here. What yeah. people perceives as expensive. Up here, for the, the market as it is, somebody coming from New York, it's a it's a bargain. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, and that's I why I think you see people buying houses and people. Yeah. Go, no, yeah. when I opened, when I opened on Liberty Street, there was nobody there. It was like there was a the Terrace Lounge, Terrace Tavern. There was a Latin Latin Grocery was around the corner, a bodega. The street lights didn't even work in front of my place. Tell us about some of your experiences with um, you know owning bars. Well, like I said, the whole thing is... Any good I, crazy stories? From no. Yeah, there's always crazy stories. I mean... Well, what are the craziest ones? <laughs> one of the one time, One time I was uh, I was running a Friday's restaurant right down on Broadway and 41st Street. There's actually... There's a, there's a crazy story, and then there's going to be like a once-in-a-lifetime story being in that area of the city. I like it. So the crazy like story is... Uh, the crazy... The crazy story is that this restaurant down there was once called Cavanaugh Steakhouse, and it was big. It had this huge round bar, an oval bar. Okay. Had a big dining room. Now, this is like pre, this place must have been built in the 1920s, like the pre-war buildings. So everything was terrazzo floors, and the bathrooms were in the basement. No handicap access. Okay. You know, how that, you know, you got to go to the bathroom, well, figure it out, get down there. But, you know, so that's how Back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. Um. So anyhow, one time I'm sitting there, one of my guys come up, and there's a girl comes into the bar, and she's sitting in this huge bar, and she looks a little fucked up. Okay. You know, a little fucked up. You can just see. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, she leaves. She goes She goes to the bathroom. That's downstairs. And <laughs> goes downstairs, and one, all of a sudden, I don't see her. Yeah, okay. What's going on? Yeah. Here we go. This is going to be fun. Uh-oh. Who's, you know, who's going to be in the slab in the meat market today? What's going yep, on? Yep, 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 sit there, yep. and all of a sudden, I go, one of my, I told my waitress to go down and check it out for you. Goes down, and she goes, oh, my God, she's passed out on the floor. Mm. All right, this is good. So, go downstairs. Now, this is back in the day. You don't have, 
well, you know, you have nine one one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's not yep, like yep. you can go. You know, the it's you know. You don't have that. What's it called? Arcan and all that other. Oh, shit. Nothing. Yeah. I don't have, have nothing. Yeah, you know, you can't yeah, fucking pump the chest. It's like right. it's like you know. You it's like you, you you you're fucked. Yeah, so that's it. Go yeah. ahead. So, so go down there, and she's on the floor. So I'm trying to pick her up. I'm trying to see what you want. She has a pulse. She's moving. She's all fucked up. Okay. I'm picking her up. She's fucking pulse sliding out. It's like trying to like grab onto a, a seal on a dock. It's just like <laughs> sliding and shit. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I turn around and I say, I got, I got to leave. So I prop her up against the wall and I got, I got to go call the cops. Yeah, yeah. So I go upstairs, I get on the intercom and I do me a favor. Shh, call. All I said was just to call one of the local cops, the local ambulance. That's it. No. Gotcha. My guy, my brain surgeon. I, my Mensa student, who's ever the fuck working up there at that point, yep, right, yep. sends out this fucking alarm that I don't know what the code was. He said, there's a woman dead on the floor and there's noises and this. So I walk upstairs and I swear to God, and I, I'm walking. The entrance is way over there. Yeah. And there's this huge bar. And I walk upstairs and I see... The street is shut down. There are firemen running down one side of the bar. Mm. There are police running down the other side of the bar. And I'm just standing there going, what the fuck is going on? What the on fuck? Here? What the I fuck? I asked is you going to just on? make a simple call. Simple call. Next yeah, thing you know, I've got, I've got, I've got, exactly. So they come in and I'm going. And I, they said, what's wrong? And the one cop on the beat, he knows me. He goes, damn, what happened? I says, look, I said this. There's a woman passed out on my bathroom. She's alive. I said, yeah. you know, but next thing you know, I've got it. You know, I, but, I, mean, I said, it's going it's okay. through. She yeah, didn't okay. overdose yet. Yeah. I said, but, you know. Get her I, out of my establishment. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't need the problems here. <laughs> yeah. And next thing you know, and meanwhile, when I was downstairs trying to pick up this girl, just to step back mm-hmm. a second, one of my people are texting me going like, or calling me on the intercom saying, you know, there's a person up here with a coupon that's expired. <laughs> I said, honor the fucking thing. Okay, stop it. I, you know, I, like, I don't need to deal yeah, with this you right know, now. Now yeah. if you could learn how to call the right fucking agency, yeah, we'll be exactly. good. You know? We'll be good. We'll, we'll be, good. be good. So I turn around, and I'm standing. The cop's here, and he goes, well, Dan, it went in as some kind of an emergency thing, like this uh-huh. god-awful, I don't know. And I went, and I said, and all of a sudden I hear from behind me, what the fuck is going on here? And I look, and I turn around, and it's her standing there. Standing up. Came up from the bathroom upstairs. She's standing there. Back from the dead. Being indignant. She's pissed. She's indignant. Yeah, Uh she's indignant. She's like, I don't understand why all these people are here, man, because you're fucking, you were going to die, you (laughs) bitch. You know, and yeah, I can understand that. Okay, so she's indignant. And that's what, just indignant. And I just sat there. That's how, you, you know. Should have had her arrested while the cops were there. Oh, well, they, they almost did arrest her because she was being really, not indignant, but yeah. belligerent as well. Another yeah. fine trait. Wonderful. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Real crap. One of the greatest you know, parts of, it's, of, it's, of your occupation, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, ran, I ran all security for OCC, and okay. I can tell you that I've been in that circumstance oh. quite a few oh. times. And isn't it crazy how, how I don't know, the, the term when you try to help somebody mm-hmm. and they're pissed off that you helped them. Oh. They're like, yeah. hey, the road is paved. I don't get it. Yeah, exactly. The road is paved getting their ass yeah. kicked and now they they want to like, you know, try oh, yeah. well, that's in like, a reverse yeah, headlock. Exactly. Well, that, that's, crazy. That's, that's why I like think about it. When you, was it was, there's a policeman out there or anything you're doing, what's the worst, last thing in the world you do? Yeah. You don't get in the middle of a domestic battle. You don't. Because. You don't. No, no, been there, don't, done Don't it. hit my husband. 
Yeah, oh, sure. you know whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know there, and she has there. a big welt sure. on her eye, and it's like you you can't win. Doesn't matter, you cannot no, win. Not at all. No, it's like being yeah. a restaurant owner. You can't win. There's yeah. somewhere you know you have tiny victories, yeah, but correct. overall you know you hope you don't eventually end up in Waterloo. You know you're good. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. But you're right. The positive story about the, the one funny story about being in that same location, right? Of course, the manager I work with, the guy who was the head manager. Okay, he was like fucking type A. I mean, I was waiting at one point, like the movie Scanners, his head just fucking pop. Okay. He was type A. You know, yeah. that was, yeah, working for a guy like that, you know, because I try to stay, I try not to buy into, suck into their paranoia and their insane. No, I get you. So, anyhow, that being said, it was not a ple- pleasant place to work at. But one day during New Year's Eve, now you have to realize that in Times Square at New Year's, you have the New Year's Eve, they, they photograph it and you have the stage and all that stuff. Now, what they do is they take, they, they cordon that off with roadblocks. Then they go two blocks in either direction Cordoned. and put another set of blockades right. on. Okay. So basically this one to two block area, I think it's one block east to west, north and south was two. Okay. This two block east area, there are people in Times Square and then there are people behind you. You're in like a demilitarized zone. You're okay. in like this silent this little private Zombie VIP apocalypse yeah, yeah, right, right, like this. Yeah, so, yeah. and the funny thing about we're sitting there and, you know, everybody was coming into the restaurant thinking that they are going to like stay there all night. It's like, no, nope, you got to get out. We throw everybody out. Mm. Next thing you know, you hear there's so much noise in Times Square at that point. You could feel the window shaking wow. in the restaurant. So you See go that. outside. All the cops are there in this little like area that's not blocked off. I got a million people behind me. Mm-hmm. You got a million people in front of you. And we're in this one street. It's like being in like Omega Man or fucking, you know, I am None legend. You. You know, yeah, nothing sure. there. Yeah, yeah. Nothing so we sit out there. We brought a bottle of champagne out. We're sitting there with the cops watching the ball drop. And he says, we're all toasting. And he says, do yourself a favor. He says, as soon as the ball drops, go inside and lock the door. Because it's just going to get crazy. Because they're just going to, what they do is they open up. The gates Ooh, behind me, so okay. people can converge on it, and they also take the blockades away from, mm. you know, from interior. So we're in this little private viewing spot to watch the ball drop. Yeah, yeah. But drinking champagne with you know New York's finest, you know, millions of people in front of me, millions. So that was like the million dollar seat. That's for yeah, that. beautiful. You, get a bit of you space know, space there, you can breathe. Yep. Oh, yeah, nice. And then on top of that, the interesting thing about it when you're there. There was a kid that was helping us in the restaurant that night. His father was working at another location up in, uh, like, run maybe in the 50s. Mm-hmm. He do me a favor. Can, and his son was like a little accountant in training, a little nebbish of a guy. And he says, can you do <laughs> me a favor? Can you, uh, can, you, uh, can you bring my son? Can you escort him up to the mm-hmm. country? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. And I swear to God, as much chaos is happening there, right. within 30 minutes, everybody's gone. They get them out of there. And the sweepers are in there, and they're just—they're just cleaning, cleaning the goddamn wow. clean. And there, but there's nobody—all those millions of people. What yeah. they did, I don't. They beat them with hoses. I have no idea. But it's, all I know is they are gone. Yeah, and their yeah. streets are clean, and the cleaners are there sweeping shit up, getting all the confetti. And have, probably five in the morning. It's it's like it never happened. Yeah. Have you ever wow. done? Have you ever done? Um, Mike, have you ever done uh, New Year's in uh, in, in in the city? I have. 
Have you? But I stayed in my hotel. I didn't go down to Times Square. Well, wait a minute. Let me ask, when did you do it and what was offered to you? Because you may have had a different scenario. Was this like in the OCC area, era when you had... This is uh, OCC era. All right. So you... Yeah, 2003, four. Okay. So who five. brought you down there? Or was it was it I part just, of a... Um, you well, know, I was on a romantic weekend with my ex. Oh, so it was nice. Okay. It was a nice. It's a nice thing. It was. So it wasn't uh, OCC business. related. It wasn't like no. Okay, all right. But it was when I had the means to like stay at a nice hotel with a lady. Saying, yeah, you had you had the frequent flyer points. You were able to- yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the perks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. No, because but we weren't crowded on the street. But we I'd were ride. watching uh, yeah. overlooking Central Park. Oh, well, that's room. that's what yeah. you want to do in a hotel room. Yeah, because Very I nice. will tell you, I've done, I've done it Very twice nice. and I'll never do it again. You cannot what, find crowded? a bathroom. You cannot find oh. anything. If you're down there as the regular old schmo, you know, trying to be there. Uh, it's a lot like St. Patty's Day down there, right? It's fucking. It's just, I went for it's that. It's annoying. Like, St. You know. Patty's Day is in awesome. the 70s. No, we're talking in the 70s. Oh, in the and 70s. 80s. I want to hear this. Oh, my. Drinking in the streets. There's a famous clip from. There's a famous <sighs> clip from Saturday Night Live. They had a host on it, Broderick Crawford, this actor. Mm-hmm. And sure. while he was doing rehearsals there, the filmmaker would make films on Saturday All Night Live. All the King's Men. Yes. Yeah. Some the, one of the photographers. He knows everything about movies. I know. He's impressing me. Born yeah, yesterday, also. Right. I saw Born Yesterday on Broadway. Here's a good one for you. Broadway. Not to change. Do you mind if I change subject? I get thrown off kilter. This film. No. Please go ahead. Yeah, we'll um, back in. 1994, I believe it was. It was the 40th anniversary of Born Yesterday on Broadway. So they brought a revival back to do it on Broadway. Okay. And they charged tickets for that revival, the 50th anniversary. It was like $4.36, whatever it cost to buy a ticket in 1943 or 44. That's what they charge you. So oh, you bought four okay. tickets for four. That's like clever, and yeah. it benefits yeah. the uh, consumer and or the. Uh, I mean, the cast was Madeline Kahn, wow, Ed Asner, wow, uh, Stephen Collins from Star Trek, um, the fellow who played. Uh, if you watch the Jeffersons, the British uh, guy who lived upstairs, the husband. Of, uh, oh, he was really good. Yeah. He wasn't skinny a guy, ball, right? skinny guy, no, brown head. hair. Yeah, I can't think of his name. But these were the actors that were that were. Oh, in they in made this. him look like such a doofus. And um, <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. and they no, you know what? I'm telling you, it wasn't it wasn't him. It was the husband. Okay, the husband. He All was right. kind of. It was one of the characters in Jefferson. But this is the cast you had there, and Madeline Kahn is worth the price of admission from like Young course, Frankenstein absolutely. and all this stuff. Sure. And I had these four tickets. I could not get anybody to take the tickets. I wanted. I was going to really? go. I said, "Want to come and play with these for free?" Oh, I can't go. I got things to do. I got to. I got to go do cocaine. Wow. Whatever I'm fucking doing, I would. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I got to go. Yeah. And then, I ended up just like you know, giving yeah, take go. Wow. Not going to scalp wow. them, but yeah, four dollars and thirty six seconds. Thirty six cents for a ticket. But Dang. anyhow, so Broderick Crawford goes around. They follow him around and saying he was in during the week of St. Patrick's Day, uh-huh. and they're following him around with a camera crew. Uh-huh. And he's pointing out like bars he drank out in the forties or one he got thrown out in or whatever this like this. And yeah. he's he's he says, Only in New York and the camera pans down and there's some guys with beers and bottles mm-hmm. and the cop has a a church key opening up the bottles a beer for them. Oh great. He goes, Only oh, this only happens in New York, you know? And that's <laughs> yeah. uh Saint Patty's Day in New true. York is 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 just magnificent. If you can stand 
what you got to contend with. I mean, it is a drunk fest mm-hmm. yeah. that is just second to none. Um, <laughs> and the, you know, I'm, I'm a, the firefighters and the police, mm-hmm. they all, oh, they're everywhere. They're all, they're they, like, they know, all partake. Yeah, half uniformed, that. hat off, half you uniformed, know, you know. Depending on how disheveled they are is how drunk they are. How disheveled and how, <laughs> yeah, how far crazy. you want to stay away. Crazy. <laughs> so, so changing gears here in terms of um, the warehouse, which you own now, I'm curious, and Mike and I talked a little bit about this too, you know, you see so many bars and restaurants, they're not able to make it nowadays. Would it be predominantly um, because, or I'm just trying to get a perspective from mm-hmm. your um, from your thought process is it is it really because the co- is it the cost of goods? Is it is it that you know people are just not spending as much going uh, there's, out? There, there's, is a is it a cycle? What I mean, what what are your thoughts on there's that? A, there's a lot of factors involved. Um, one classic scenario is you have somebody that puts out a great Thanksgiving dinner once a year, or a great gathering once a year, mm-hmm. and what is what does half of your relatives and friends say? You should open a restaurant. Yep. And they yeah. don't realize and yeah. say, let's uh. try it. But they don't know that what you spent five days preparing for right. 25 people, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to do that every day. Yeah. And you have to have it out in a consistent uh. manner. So then they're, they're not aware and the time you have to spend there. Sure. And when I first opened the warehouse, I was there up to 18 hours a day. Oh. You, yeah, you know, have to live I, there. I, you have to live there. Um, that's one. Number two, everybody gets caught up into trends. What's trendy? We're going to open a restaurant. It's going to be, we're going to serve, whatever. And guess what? That comes and goes. And unless you're doing, you know, unless you're opening restaurants to lose money effectively, you know, they last and they go. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, <clears throat> I don't want to open up a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> a trend. Okay, yeah. geez. Yeah, but, okay, but go ahead. A lot of people probably start restaurants based on trends, right? Some they they, well, they, like, they learn a know, certain thing. And, they, and you have to stay in trends. Out. You have to create certain things. Sure. Like, you know, and... But like myself, mine was simple. It's there's a burger. Who in America doesn't eat a burger? Here's, I think I know. It's hard Absolutely. to get a good burger yeah. around here, though. And put your put your emphasis. Basically, when you open a business like that, you have to know who you are. No, right. You cannot take in too much information from the outside. You have to know what your vision is. But see, I've got three rules of thumb for myself and my place. Um, <clears throat> number one is that be willing to move, shake. Twist, like okay. twister, but never lose your footing. Know what you are. Okay. Two, take chances and take no prisoners. And like the, it. And like the, it. And the last one is if you're backed against the wall, and I've been backed against the wall many times over there. If you're backed against the wall, you have one of two choices. You either crumple down on the floor and give up, or you close your eyes and you barrel into the darkness. And that's what I do. And that's what I did there. I mean, I, <clears throat> I had... Fair enough. I like it. Yeah, we we had to adapt. We opened up. This is no exaggeration. I might as well have been in a in a in a Clint Eastwood western, like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because when we opened up, there were parking spots all over the street. Nobody was there. There was sand and dirt blowing. All I needed was tumbleweeds and an Ennio Marconi soundtrack. Sure. Or like I, you know, <laughs> that's, that's all I needed. And I feel like I was yeah western. So when you opened up though, that wasn't uh, you, you were the first on that because you are the corner spot. There, yeah, yeah, there were businesses there that were. Um, but you, you know, just had to have faith, and you just said, "Well, I I felt that Newburgh needed a place to get. There was no place to gather in Newburgh. What what intrigued me about Liberty Street is that I went down there and I would see the architecture on Liberty Street. 
you know, for the most part, most of it is older, you know, or what's not torn down, but it's older. And it sure. has a certain charm to it. It's just off the river. And I went to my, I went to my, uh, my architect and like the whole inside, how it's laid out. That's my drawings. That's my vision. It's really I, cool. I go, I go in there and I said, I have this, when I went in there, the place was empty. There was like one ratty metal black chair. Okay. I call that the chair of dreams. And I'd sit that in the middle room in the front room, get, Smoked and toked and whatever I had to do. Mm-hmm. And I would just sit and just start, okay, yeah, just write notes. This is what I got to do here. I got to do that here. I got to do this here. And that's how I created it. But the main thing, as I said, my architect asked, what do you, I said, what do you want to say? You know, what, what do you want to vision here? I said, look, I envision <clears throat> Liberty Street going in the 60s and 70s as far as music is concerned. I said, I envision, I envision Newburgh and Liberty Street in particular as hates Ashbury. In the 1960s, in the mid-60s, oh, okay. when, you know, it was basically a run-down, downtrodden sure. neighborhood. The Victorian mansions were there, but nothing was there. Right, right, right. Then all of a sudden, what came in? Music, the Grateful Dead. Artists came in. Performers came in. They started painting the buildings, and it brought it back to life. So I pictured it as Haights-Ashbury, that this is a street that can, you know, and it, it's a different world, but you can build a music scene, an art scene, a place to live, a community, and it's been it's been like that. You've been, now able, been yeah, you, no, you, you can't find in, yeah. you can't find a spot now. Yeah, yeah, and they're building more buildings down there. Yeah, it's been. Uh, I think you uh, definitely, um, you know, you had forethought and to be able to, to do that because Newburgh, everybody thought Newburgh was lost. Oh, for a long of time. I yeah, would have never invested a penny down there. I wouldn't. <laughs> well, I wouldn't I, I, at all. I, at all. Yeah, really. I mean, really, I give you a lot of credit there because. Nobody was thinking about doing what you did there. Yeah. But then again, when you open it up, it's like when you're opening a place up, right? Uh, <clears throat> it's like I call it the adoptive puppy syndrome. <clears throat> Your dog has puppies. Eight or ten people says, I'll take one. Yeah. The day you give them away, where are they? Yeah. Nobody shows <laughs> up. Warm. Right? Yeah. So nobody shows up. Now you got eight puppies you got to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You just, you know, you know. <laughs> You know, I, it's cruel you keep them in that box. No, you don't understand. These were promised for people. No, so, I got you. Anyhow, you, you people, oh, we can't. We're going to open up. We're going to go, go, go. That's when I realized that many of our contemporary and friends, like I had opened the place up with a 60s, 60s beat. It had original Fillmore posters. I put records on the wall. You know, da, da, da. played. I even put together a custom mix for my iPod and played, mm-hmm. you know, all mm-hmm. types of obscure stuff. So it had a certain vibe to it. And... But I realized that my friends that I knew are my contemporaries. You know, maybe many of them had suffered through the through the pratfalls of Bernie Madoff. But I, I don't know they they didn't have the they don't have the uh, disposable incomes. Sure. So you yeah, can yeah. have them come in once a month. Okay. You know, and then you feel like they're doing you a favor. You know, so thanks. Gotcha. You know, but gotcha. it's, and it doesn't mean they're bad, but they don't. You can't rely on them. So yeah. when you have something, you have to have something to sustain yourself every day. So I was floundering. Bad. I mean, I did music all the time. I was paying music. I paid musicians. I paid it out of my pocket. I spent so much money on music because I was going to pay musicians. Like just and, like coming in, doing like a single kind of a, you know. Yeah, no, I'd bring bands kind of in. I, cre- okay. I, I created posters for every event I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a whole library of posters, like the Fillmore posters. They're okay. all dated. So I could look at the history of my restaurant by my artwork. Wow. I designed the menus. I do everything. I'm, I'm very anal retentive, and I'm, I'm the devil in the detail there. Okay. 
everything has to pass muster with me as far as in like any ideas I have like that, like what will get people to come in? Sure. And, um, but we were floundering. Nobody was coming. People were afraid to come into Newburgh. If they came into Newburgh, okay, and I saw them walking down Liberty Street, they were either lost or they're coming to me for help. That was my thoughts. You never saw anybody from the outside. I got you. Or as I like to see the visitors from Outer Whitelandia. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't crossing the seas for this yeah, shit. Yeah, you know? sure, gotcha. Yeah, nobody was coming down. And, um, but we started, and like, you know, Vin here, you know, Vin start, played there in 2010 when I was here 14 years ago, okay. these young bands. And what had happened is I was floundering, and two people came to me, and they said, um, we would, you know, we'd like to promote some shows here. Mm-hmm. What have I got to lose? Sure. I, I couldn't pay the bands. I had no money. Absolutely. So they ran, they, they, I started doing punk shows in the back. Oh, I didn't Outsider, know that. so we had punk wow. shows. Then we had another guy, but well, that, that was Holly Burchelli from Outsider Magazine. You've probably heard of it. And then there was also a fellow, um, Eric Lamont, I think his name was. He was okay. doing indie music, and that's that was with Vin. Okay. And the bands that he was in. So he would promote shows, and she would promote shows. And when they promoted shows, they ran their own door. They took a contribution. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they split it amongst the bands. I had, you know, so forth and so on. I tried to feed the bands if I could and so forth. But basically, people started coming, younger people. And I always say to this day, I say, punk saved my ass. There you go. Hey, and, listen. Um, it, Are you a fan of punk? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I, was, I was down, you know, I was down, I was down the CBGB days. I, it's like, you know, I was down there in, in the 70s. Really? You know. Yeah, and, uh, oh, yeah. So that's, well, that's, yeah. So I have, I, <laughs> I have a friend of mine, a band uh, out of Jersey. Called the Dead Elvi, and uh, one of the founders of the band uh, has he he runs what's called the Chiller Theater Expo down in uh, New Jersey. It's a horror convention. Yes, been going on for thirty something years. Kevin Flemond. Matter of fact, there's a burger named after him on my menu. So, and they had a band called the Dead Elvi. Now I didn't know any musicians. Okay, so I'd reach out for music, and people would get back to you. All right, so I reached out to Kevin or whoever was taking care of the band, Dead Elvi, and they came up. Mm-hmm. And once again, I have music in my back room. It was like every time people would come there, no one would go sit and, you know, as I, as opposed to the city, when you go out to see music, you go to a club, okay, you would go to a back room to see music. Sure. wouldn't necessarily have to see yeah. the bar. Up here, it's always the college mentality. you got to be by the bar. It's true. So I had this room in the back, and the bands would play there, and nobody Nobody would go the fuck back. Every fucking show I put on, okay, I felt like I was cosplaying Jeff Spicoli hiring Van Halen for my fucking pool party. Oh, you know, Jeff so. Spicoli. There you go. Fast times We like, we like, we like dropping oh, a lot of these, like, useless trivia. No, but you know what? You oh, got yeah, You got to know what it is. Of course, everybody, Jeff <laughs> Spicoli. Sure. Right. So anyhow, I, you know, <laughs> anyhow, so they were up there one day. And this is, there was hard, nobody in the building. If you look at pictures, if you look at pictures uh, of the restaurant, how few people were there when I first okay. opened up, right? It, it looks like it was some kind of like a staged, staged thing from a kitchen. You're, like you're, you're going, you're, 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 you're building. So, yeah. yeah gotcha, so, gotcha. you know, it, it's, there was nobody there. So I invite the dead Elvi. They're playing in the back. They come out with makeup on and this and that, and you know, and they play horror surf rock. Sure. Okay. And so forth. And um, oh, wow, awesome. yeah. yeah, I'll look them up. And they turn <laughs> around, and so they're playing in the back, and they said, well, we're going to unveil a new song we've written. 
And now, mind you, nobody's in the back with him. I'm there, okay. you know, doing my surfer dude thing, like Jeff Spicoli, you know, watching. And there's a couple of girls in the front, girls, sitting at the bar. Now, if you're familiar with the logistics of my restaurant, if you walk out my front room and you go into the middle room, there's this big set of garage doors mm-hmm. that overlooks this park downtown. There's a park down The park right, right, overlooks right, the park. Right. That was just a field. So they start playing this song, Psychedelic Zombie Barbecue. You know, and it's, I'm listening. It's a great beat. It's like a beach thing type of thing. And all of a sudden, the, the women in the front, girls, started coming to the back of the restaurant and started dancing oh. in front of the uh, dead alibi. Now, I'm standing there trying to think, what is the next what is the next mess I can get myself into here? Uh-huh. And I'm sitting there, and I look, I'm listening to them doing psychedelic zombie barbecue. Just love the that gr- name, the girls are the girls are dancing, right? Girls are dancing, mm-hmm. like go-go girls like this. And I look out the right, and there's this field. And I went, and I was doing barbecue at the time. Okay. So I went, Zombies, go-go girls, <laughs> barbecue, barbecue. That's it. Psychedelic zombie barbecue. So I put an event on out in the field. Get a stage. Remember, Ben's band was one of the first bands that played the first one in 2010. All right. And we uh, we did okay. I mean, we brought up. We had about. We had a good day. We brought about 300 people in. Which okay. We wouldn't go there. But the beautiful thing about it, the rest of the month was so shitty. It doesn't matter how much money I made that day. You, you can only, you know, squeeze yeah, so much water sure. out of a rock. Yeah. yeah. But we did it. And next thing you know, I made videos for it. We'd merchandise it. And we'd put five of them on. And what it was was I a didn't day, know that. Yeah, That's there, great. There was a day where you would start. They had a, they'd meet at Washington's headquarters. We had the big field. Washington said they would, all the zombies would gather there. And we had guys coming from, we, co- we co-opted with the Ren Fair that was down in Tuxedo Park. Mm-hmm. So they had the Renaissance people when they had the Forest of Fear dressed up as zombies. I mean, good makeup. And we had people get to resume. So we'd have a zombie walk from the Washington's headquarters down Liberty Street and then onto the field. We did that every year. And then we had bar- we had a, we had a, we had a, your tent. So <laughs> one, your pretty tent festive. Event. That yeah. sounds yeah. fun. That sounds so yeah. cool. I, I never heard of that. Why did it? Yeah. Oh no, no. This no. The, I was. I mean, not not to. T- I mean, I. I'm a very. I'm a. I, I mean, I like to tell stories. I like to be a raconteur. You know, but I. Um. I, I'm very humble about myself. I don't like to sit. I only get my hair up on my neck when somebody says, "Well, it's not so fucking difficult here. What's your problem?" Then I go, "Okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is where I was." You know, yeah. it's like you know. But I generally am very humble about it. But it's true. It was the first. That field was sitting there in seed. Uh, there was a piece of a building that looked like a natural stage riser. That's why I put the stage at. And uh, it was, in fact, and, and Ben just said in the background, yeah, it was. It was. It predated the Illuminated Festival uh, by about four or five years. And uh, it was the first event being held downtown like that. And if you see the photos, and I put things on Facebook, it's like you have gay people, straight people, black people, white people, yellow people. Yeah. Everybody partying together. Kids. It's a family day now. You said, who'd ever thought this? So why, why stop? What, what made well, you guys stop? I did, I did, well, two things. One, the last two I put on, by the time the fifth one came along, uh, it was, I had like literally, I had put fencing around it, had tents inside. It was like a circus. Oh, okay. And what happened is that. It was too much. 
No, it wasn't too much. We were doing okay with it. The last two years in a row I did it, no exaggeration. It was the first the first nail in the coffin was that on the day of the event, it was a fucking monsoon of rain. Oh. And the Friday night, the day before, we're getting the tents in, we're setting shit up. It's True. perfect. Nice. Rain would they would literally pour buckets. Mm, so thank God there were table thank God there were um what do you call it? Um, tents. And then my bar was right there, this restaurant. So they would go back and forth. Sure. But it rained, rained torrentially, and I just said, I don't want, every time I did it, I was like, I'm the guy, like, we need rain. Just have Dan put an event on. <laughs> I got you. Know, you. And, bad uh, luck. And it was bad luck, so I stopped. Then on top of that, they took the cornerstone of the building down there, bought the lot, and they turned it into a park. Gotcha. So, yeah, I, yeah, Jimmy, so I have <clears throat> thought about revisiting it. I was going to do it back in 2017 down on the waterfront. Um, that kind of fell through for a number of reasons that I won't talk about. Uh, more sure. of a, you know, one of those moments where I had to almost let my hair up again on my neck, <laughs> you know, and uh, uh-huh. yeah. so it's, uh, but we think I'm, I'm actually talking about doing it again. Okay. And I've worked the logistics out on that field and all the businesses are down there. So it might be something I might decide to revisit. Um, but it was fun, but I did it to bring people. It got notoriety in Newburgh. I mean, you know. Well, you know what Newburgh is starting to, it, it, it seems to me, either, you either love or hate Newburgh too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're getting into that kind of um, um, thought process because um, I know a lot of people here who um, who've been here. Uh, you know, they're born and raised here who just love Newburgh to death. And then you have the transplants who are not really sure about Newburgh yet. They're, yeah, they just sort of like you know, about the sushi. Exactly, that kind of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, it really, gets, really it, depends. It, it, upon, it becomes, you know. becomes very shallow, shallow sometimes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So it really depends upon what you know, what side of the fence you're on, and that kind of thing. I mean, Mike, you, you've been here. Um, obviously, Mike, you know, with the OCC oh, sort here. of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I love uh, Newburg. Yeah, I it's don't think he'll ever go. No, yeah, like the seed here. Easier the better. Yes. DMV <laughs> <laughs> over here, you know. Yeah, you need that. Kind of fun to hang it outside of every now and again. <laughs> there is some truth to that. I mean, Newburgh has. Um, when you think about it, we're not that. What are we? Uh, out uh, an hour north of the city. I mean, yeah, yeah, right we, up the train. 50, yeah, fifty-eight miles to the George yeah. Washington Bridge. Yeah, an hour and an hour and tw- hour and fifteen minutes on the express. We are. It is a nice location. There's a lot for us well, to. Uh, there, there's a lot of the world. Yeah. Correct. You got Correct. A, you got airports. You've got the hot major highways. True. The train, of course, is across the river, but still, mm-hmm. these are major. It's the crossroads. True. Trucking. True. True. I think yeah. Newburgh. You know, ultimately, uh, give another fifteen, twenty years, it will be phenomenal again. It'll be but, booming again. It has to. Well, but the only thing that I think that um, was really fucked up is how much architecture in this city was lost due to the fact that it was not taken care of very well. Yeah. I mean, that to oh, me it is was such a... Because I'll drive around Newburgh, and I don't know if you've done this, Dan, and I, Mike and I do it all the time. All the time. We'll drive, and we'll just stop in front of the building and go, holy, holy shit. shit, this thing was immaculate. Yep. And the architecture that just... And it went to shit. And we don't understand why, but we sort of have an idea why. But there's urban it's just, renewal. Right? Yeah, the urban oh, renewal kind of a thing. It's just, but holy crap, I can remember probably thinking back in, let's say, the 40s and 50s, what this place 
probably was. Well, there was industry then. There was industry. Well, that's true. There was, yeah. During World yeah. War II, the big shipping yeah. industry here on the, on the docks. I mean, there were factories. Yep. <coughs> that dri- that dried name? up. Even what's his name? Kaplan. Yeah. Um, Regal Bag. Yeah, Regal Bag. Yeah. yeah. That's what he made his, yeah. from what I understand, uh, he made a killing back in that. In, 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 I mean, in, look in at the, look at Motorcycle Pedia with Ted Durant. Motorcycle yep. Correct. But, you know. Well, shit, look at OCC with your pops. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? You know, sure. he put the place on the map, too. This, sure. could, to yeah, a this large place degree. could make a big comeback. I think it will. And the thing, the thing is, is this is, I think, I think at bottom line, I think these are exciting times to live in this city. Yeah. And I've seen yeah. it from my vantage point on the corner, you know, like seeing nothing going on and watching a lot of stumbles and falls. But what's happened is over the last six years or so, we have seen a lot of things sticking to the wall. You know, I mean, yeah. there are people, they just opened a ramen place. They opened a coffee place over in an area that I used to nickname. I used to call it when I used to drive through there. It was like single light bulbs, like from a 1920s oh, yeah. street light. <laughs> be sneaker, yeah, sneakers hanging on. The streets were fucking abhorrible. Abor- <laughs> I used to nickname, I used to call it Little Beirut. Okay. Because it was like a fucking bomb zone. Sure. And now sure. there's ramen places now over there. The Liberty Street, you know, it was me on the corner. And then there were a couple of things in between. And we saw businesses come and go, come yeah. and go. And generally what happened was, you know, all of a sudden there'd be a shooting in Newburgh and next thing you know, store, stores closed. Where'd yeah. you go? Yeah. What happened? People would call me. Are you okay? Why? Well, there was a shooting in Newburgh. I said, well, you know, they shot somebody in fucking Arizona. It's, it's the same <laughs> fucking thing. It's like three blocks away, you know. And, yeah, you know, that's and like this. Now, that's how the name Warehouse came. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't know what to call it. And I would sit there and I would tell friends I was opening a restaurant. And uh, and they would say, where? And I go, Newburgh. And they go, where? Mm-hmm. I said, Newburgh. Where in Newburgh? I said, downtown. Where? <laughs> and yeah. they kept getting more and more agitated oh, about because where they, I was. Yeah, where, exactly, they figured yeah. I was like, I was going to you know, jump into the jaws of death or something like this. And yeah. they just gave me where and where. And finally I said, you know something, fuck this. I'm going to call it warehouse because that's where I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. that's why it's called that. But it was, it was so much concern. I'd never seen people so concerned for my life. Yeah. Oh, These yeah. are my the same people that call me if there was a shooting. Go, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, I'm okay. But you weather through it and you're 15 years yeah, uh, into it. God I'm, bless. No, I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. It's yeah, great. It's so nice let me ask nice you that. Okay, how? something that most people told you. What's that? Most people told you that it was probably a bad idea, right? Oh, God almighty. Oh, time. yes. So you're a big fan of uh, movies and music. Absolutely. Movies, I've been a, I've been a fan of movies since as a, watching a television in the early 60s with rabbit ears and bad reception and these old, you know. Heyday. Of, heyday of, of, of like of, B-movies and Bela Lugosi and horror films and yeah, monsters and this. And that's, you know, that was a mainstay, famous monsters of film land. You know, sure. it's like a monster child type of stuff. And, you know, yeah. and I've collected movies my entire I started out with 8 millimeter silent films. I got into 16 millimeter. Wow. And then I started, of course, in the age of video. You know, how compact. Yeah. Like, I t- tell that to my basement. When it comes to videos or movies, <laughs> that is the guy. Yeah. I mean, Mike, um, I, that's his you thing. You remember uh, Cinerama, things like that from the 50s? Oh, yeah, from the, the big widescreen stuff that uh, actually Quentin Tarantino used that for the, the Django movie. Yeah, that's Cinerama or seventy millimeter. Yes, yeah, that, that and that's the sad part about Some, movies because similar you know, technology. People miss, you know, nobody goes to the theaters. I mean, you know, anymore. Yeah, very few people, and it's the same because there's nothing. Nothing beats watching a movie on a big screen. 
I don't think so. No, nothing. And it's dying out. Yeah. Oh, it is. People are just not going to to the cinema anymore. No, and it's a shame. But uh, you know, well, they that's what they look. They want us to be like in that movie, Idiocracy. They want us to be fat, looking at a ninety-inch television or hundred-inch television in our house, eating Cheetos. Yeah, and a prisoner in your own home. Prisoner, guilty. Yeah, yeah, just boom, keep the caloric intake going. Little do you know, you've been convicted of something. Yeah, true. You know, more Cheetos. I'm good. Yeah. Well, Mike, your whole thing, I mean, you, you love the TM, uh, was it TM? TCM. Oh, TCM. Oh, Turner Classic. That's, that's uh, Big that's fan a, of Turner Classic movies. Turner Classics. Big fan, big fan. Anything from, you know, I love noir films. Yeah. I love, uh, I, I don't watch TCM. Pretty much everything has been on TCM. I've recorded onto disc, so I okay, go on TCM. So you got it all on rotation. Oh, I have, I have it on, I have binders of movies. I mean, I was involved in video stores at one point in the city, so I got into it, and then, I was working on a book years ago, um, and I might revisit it now. Back in the back in like the early two late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, if you recall, they started out with like direct to video movies, and that's why you yeah, could go and, Van Damme and uh, yeah. Seagal right. kind of slipped down that path along with uh, exactly. a lot of action stars. But too. there were a lot of people doing it before those guys slipped. You know, there was okay. stuff going like you'd go in there, Bronson. And, yeah, Bronson at the end of his career. Oh yeah, well, yeah. there's like there, I have an action movie in home called Runaway. And, Tanya Harding, the uh, what do you call it? Tanya Harding, the the skater who back you know hit the girls' shins yep. with a thing. Yeah. she's in an action movie. Oh, she is. Oh yeah, no, you get you Wonderful. know you just but you get these like grindhouse action movies, but they were going directly to the video stores. Yeah. So I started working on a book. I go around all the video stores and I do two things. I would I would buy out rare videos. I sell them on eBay, and that would pay for the rest of what I had. Okay. You know, I was big into dealing in out-of-print stuff and things like this. And sure. history, I'd get involved with it. And and then... And there was a big market for that then? Oh, yeah. I mean, there were times yeah. people would like... And people, you know, there are people right now... You take a look on eBay right now. I, yeah, I can't understand this. and all kinds of, uh, you know, wacky kind of Oh, wacky. Oh, no, no. I, I grab... Yeah. I mean, I have stuff, things like... Well, I have one called, like... What is it called? Oh, Cannibal Hookers. I have uh, these, like, really bad Z-grade oh, sure. things. Um, yeah, it's not exactly name. porn, but it's uh, twice as bad. Oh, yeah, twice as bad. I mean, I have twice a movie. Twice shitty. I have a movie. It's <laughs> hilarious. I went and uh, I was at a Chiller Theater convention, and Linda Blair from The Exorcist, right, mm-hmm. had shot during the Blair Witch Project. She had shot a film called, a short 20-minute movie called The Blair Bitch Project. And it's mm. her in the role of the girl in the Blair Witch Project, but it's a twenty-minute spoof, and like so, I find weird stuff like that, obscure oh. things. See, you <laughs> wouldn't even think that exists. Yeah, well, it would, uh, you can't you can't find it online. You can't. The uh, thing is, you know, and she was doing. And she's very big into like animal activism and protecting. You know, she was doing a lot of donations, so she was selling yeah. it. and The money was going towards you know charities, gotcha. charities. Sure. But uh, yeah, but you, I, I find unique stuff like that. You know, and I just I love I love the weird. Can, can, can I ask about the Blair Witch Project? From mm-hmm. what I understand, was that just a low budget film that basically these people came up with that knocked it out of the park? Would that be accurate in terms of what I, it occurred? Was, it was it was like one of the first film. You're dealing with horror. You're dealing with the you, know, you don't have a big green monster coming, but you right. got fear of the unknown, the dark, you know, things like this. And I, it was really one of the first films. There were films. Uh, scattered throughout the years, they did the POV, which is you're in the camera, yeah, looking out. Yeah, sure. And this was one of the first films where they did the whole thing, tapping into like I thought it was home for real. Video. For a oh yeah, sure. no, yeah, home yeah, video, yeah. and that's yeah, that real the found quality. footage, yeah, yeah. that green, yeah, and it yeah, started or that. subgenre, yeah, right, and that was a genre to itself. Wow, and that just happened to hit all the cylinders, yeah, 
You know, then they made like a Blair Witch Two, which was like yeah, a bigger budget that. film, and yeah, yeah that's it's a big pile of shit. Yeah, I think meant to make money opening weekend. And yeah, and that yeah. was it. And then curiosity. Yeah. Then it's just like crickets. Yeah, no one showed up. I, yeah, I mean, how do you really how do you how do you really do a, a sequel true. for that film? No. You know, well, they what do you call it? No. They did they did do a sequel five six years ago yeah. about the children of the people looking to find their mother that just or whatever their yeah. older their aunt or something like that. But uh, you it's know still that was a weak arc. Oh no, really weak yeah. arc. Yeah. yeah. But the guys that made that film did another point of view film. I'd like to say the name is called Exists, E-X-I-S-T-S. And it's about um, these, you know, once again, four stupid 20-somethings or teens, you know, usually they're never too bright. Sure. They're driving through the back oh. up in the backwoods. They're going to visit grandma's or Uncle Floyd's cabin or some shit. And they run <laughs> something Floyd's. over, yeah. right? And it, well, it's they, apparently what it is is they've run over or hit the baby of a Sasquatch. Oh. So then the Sasquatch starts tormenting them. So it's all once I again. I almost like that. Yeah. Uh, I like that yeah. once theoretical. Again, P- POV. Once yeah. again, P- that's like that. You and over Sasquatch baby. That's yeah, lurking okay. from behind trees. And oh, yeah. Ripping. Uh, you know, so, and it, but it's all from the point of view. Like that. They have a video camera. The whole story is about the video. Once again, the video camera. The same concept as Blair Witch Project. Sure. Except now they're like in a cabin. And they're trying to, you know, stay away from Sa- angry wow. Sasquatch mom. Sure. So let me do this. Sasquatch gets pretty pissed if you kill its kid. Sasquatch, look at these. No I'm bring- I've never seen the film, but no, see, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring him all the way back to the restaurant. If, if you oh, sure, no, full circle back. And I, and I don't, and and I'm curious because you are predominantly known in this area for burgers. What makes a good burger? What is a good burger? Well, consistent? first off, you got to know how to cook it. That's the main thing. Temperature is the most important. Temperature is the but, most thing. But you can get away. Is it, is it pure 80%? Are 80, we going 80%? No, it's generally 80, an 80-20. Generally an 80-20 is So is we're not, we're not combining meat. We're not no, combining meat. No, no, this meat. is, I, I, my burgers come in fresh. Uh, they're manufactured by a big burger company down in Jersey. Is it not a smash burger? Because now you hear a smash burger all the time. Well, smash burger, I think, is more. It's more of a technique. See, we, grow our, we, we, we grill our burgers on a grill, you know, a char grill. Okay. Smash burgers are basically you buy smash burger, you make the burgers into small, right, little round round balls, yeah, yeah. and you put them on a flat top griddle. Okay, and you literally smash them flat. Correct. And a friend of mine who's in, who has a um, he has a station on um, Instagram account. Um, is an Instagram account that uh, he goes around to food places in Chicago and new reviews and stuff like this. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he's a dear friend of mine from Newburgh, and um, <clears throat> he showed me a video of a place that's this hole in the wall in Chicago that does a smash burger. Okay. And literally, they take this burger bowl, and they flatten it to the point where it's almost like a, a veal scallopini. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. very thin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thin. That's the thing. Now, yeah. tender. Yep. And the thing is, is that the, the um, mine is like a, is a thick burger patty. It's thick. Okay. Uh, that's Love not it. that's not trendy, but I've always a burger's loved a burger. Yeah, yeah burger's, burger's a burger. Burger's burger's a burger. Burger. Permanent style But the main burger. thing is the style. It's, it's certified Angus beef. It's 80-20, mm-hmm. uh, and my guys know how to cook them, and that's the main thing. Cooking, that's it. You know, yeah. no need ho- you need hockey bucks. Go hang out the ice rink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. I agree it 100%. happens too often. <clears throat> I agree 100%. So... What are the challenges nowadays? I mean, can you keep a restaurant open in this environment, Dan? I mean, because you know what? I always hear and I always see all these 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 icons uh, 
these restaurants over the last year, you know, finally closing their doors. You have youngest brothers that close their doors. You have so many mainstays um, that have been around for consistently for decades who are now just saying, you know well, what, we're not doing it anymore. Well, the thing is, is that, you know, that's a situation that I run into as well, <clears throat> is that um, none of our kids really have any interest in the restaurant business. And oh, I, think, I never I think, thought about that. You know, no, and that's okay. that's the thing about it. Usually for a restaurant, it was not uncommon. Uh, to, not to, I'm saying it doesn't happen, but it was uncommon. Like if you know, a person opens, for God's sakes, you go to Pete Hot, Pete's Hot Dogs, for God's sakes. Yeah, I mean, Pete's that's Hot like Dogs. three, four generations. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. So you take it over, take it over. You know, but at some point you're working, and I love working. Yeah. It keeps me active. I'm always trying to create new things, different events and stuff like this. It, you know, trying to, I'm trying to read the market. But it keeps me active. But there's a lot of people you're sitting there all the time saying, I'm tired. And yeah. a lot of people came to that realization. Uh, when you're in the restaurant business, it is a, you may take one week vacation a year. But for the most part, you are pounding every day, except you're one day off. And it's you're just constantly caught in, the, in this work wheel. And you keep working. Now, when COVID came along, what happened is that a lot of people that were so caught up in this pattern of working their ass off mm. that all of a sudden they were forced to stop, close down. And they did close us down for like us, for example, for a month or so before they started letting us open up. And when they figured we weren't the ones that caused COVID restaurants, they started mm -hmm. kind of working with us, but we always got blamed somewhere along the line. Sure. And, but you start, um, they're going to taste, huh? Yeah. But they got a taste of like what it feels like to have some downtime. <laughs> yeah. And they yeah. start realizing that you start realizing yourself, why am I breaking my ass yeah. to barely bring in a paycheck? Yeah, yeah. Why? I said, I, I'm going to do something else. It was a time of rediscovery. I'm going to go to take a class. Fuck this. I'm going to yeah. take pottery class. So a sense. lot of people during COVID, it gave a lot of time, of course. You know, there was a lot of drinking and a lot of fucking sanity, and there was a lot of people losing their shit. Everybody lost their shit during COVID. Sure. I start thinking back in retrospect, and I'm going, like, what yeah. a fucking... What a mess no, you were. True. Some true. regard. You know, yeah. everything you're saying is absolutely dead on. Yeah, you got, you know, and that, that, why, why do you think people got caught up in conspiracies about what, I don't yeah. know, lasers from outer space, please. No, true. You know, so that they had nothing, they had nothing, they were easy to be, that shows how easy humans can be manipulated. What you're saying, I think, gives a, a better perspective. You're right, because I think a lot of these people were just going at it uh, full head on and they finally got an idea of what it like what it's like to sort of sit back step a on bit. the brakes step on the brakes okay so there they're like you know fuck this <laughs> we're, know. we're not doing this yeah, restaurant we're, we're, bullshit and, and, anymore and that was the and my wife and I discussed that as well right sure. we discussed that as well but then I said you know me trying to act like I'm Johnny Appleseed or some heroic motherfucker right, right? I'm sitting there and I go you know the warehouse opened up here and there was nothing on this street he turned the lights on. Yeah. I said, it is so important that when this shit passes, and we may not get it as alive, that the lights are still out at the warehouse. Wow. They have a place uh, to go. And that's why we were also determined to stay, you know. Yeah. But I first, when I first opened, there was no business. And honestly, I, you know, I was a, I mean, I was a half a million dollars in debt. And, yeah. we, you know, to close the doors back in 2010 when things were bad, sure. you know, that would have been devastating in the long run. Right, right, right. But right. all of a sudden it was like, we're going to have zombie barbecues. We're going to bring punk shows in. We're going to do this. We're going to name all of our burgers after, like, whether it be we had a Hedgehog Burger after Ron Jeremy. We had a, a Wonderland Avenue named after John Holmes with the Wonderland Avenue murders. I mean, we had burgers named after our friends and things like this. But I think that's or, the creative, <coughs> and, yeah. and, and I think that's the creative, and I think that that says a lot about your stick to it. 
That's, mm-hmm. You know, I too mean, too stubborn they, you, to give yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's. It's good though. It's tenacious. I probably would have been like, you know, let's just put this fun. Let's <laughs> yeah. put a stick yeah. in. Yeah, it. yeah well, hang you it up. didn't do it, and, and I think on. that's very, very, and very. Uh, you know, that's telling about you as an individual and the business that we get. That's that's the business of the people we come from all over now. Sure. Like, sure. I remember going when they opened Billy Joe's down the river. I went down there. I had like nine hostesses there when the first opening. Yeah, remember, sure. I remember when Billy Joe's first opened? I remember them having a. Uh, you walk in there it was like a gift shop. Yeah. Right. And I'm yeah. going like you, ha- you just open the door. You have, you have a full blown gift shop. Yeah. Like, can yeah. I get a set of beer yeah. coasters? What are you fucking selling? Yeah. 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 Too much. You no. Know, and then you know, and uh, so they did this. I remember going to people down there, and I would say, "Why well, own a restaurant?" They say, "Where?" And I said, "The warehouse. Where's that?" And I said, "Up the street. Never heard of it." People would not come down to that area. That's how grim it was. Now I could, you know, I went to a, you know. I go to places in the middle of nowhere and people have heard of us. I'm not saying like, I'm not going into Ohio, but I'm, you know, I'm in New York area that people would no, just, absolutely. Know, or, or absolutely. Jersey or thing. They just say like, oh, I know the warehouse. I know the warehouse. So that's like, that's I a, think the menu is creative. I think the menu, um, it's almost like a newspaper, kind of a creative kind of a uh, stance. Um, I think everything that you guys do over there is very, very, um, off the cuff, it's yeah. not you know you, you you know you're not thinking a lot about in a good way. No, My I, point I, is you're you're being you're be you're trying to create an atmosphere um, whereby you guys are doing what you guys do mm-hmm. um, in a very creative way, and it's not just you know lock and key. It's 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 right. just no, you, you, you just you, you just. You have to you be guys, unique. Yeah, you got to be unique, yeah. and that's that's well, what I was looking for. There was a place on Broadway uh, in the city. I would like to say, maybe the in the sixties, uh, between sixty sixty eighth and seventy second, I believe. <clears throat> it was called Big Mike's. I understand it was a diner, mm-hmm. and this place had been there for. They closed a few years ago. It's been there. 40 years. And once again, the guy closed, rent went up, who knows what happened. Sure. But this guy started as a diner. I don't know where it exactly started, but you went in there. It was like being in a emporium of food. I mean, pineapple pizza, this, that, all things on the south. You know, it's, and they had people coming in all the time. Right. And they kept building off of that original brand. Okay. Like when you go to my place, the records, I had a record store down the street when nobody was opening businesses on Liberty Street. Sure. I opened a record store. About 2012. Okay. I had, a, I had it for about a year and a half. It was called the Vinyl Resting Place. And we used to co-promote. <laughs> we used to co, co-promote uh, with the restaurant. So in other words, if you went to the restaurant and you had a dinner at a restaurant, we'd give you a 10% coupon off to buy something at the record store down the street. If you ate, if you, if you bought so much at the record store, you got... 10% off of your app, whatever. whatever so it, it, is. Yeah, gotcha. it co- and worked well. The problem was, high, you know, I had, I had a partner that was, uh, you know, didn't understand the commitment to have to sit in a store every day. And he was the one that was going to do it because I was working on the restaurant. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, we had people work. It was hard finding people to work for us. And, but we did okay. I think we were just way ahead of the curve you know, mm-hmm. at that time. But we opened that up to stimulate more business. On That's these, I mean, I'm opening a record store. Boom. So that's what I'm doing. And to bring more people to the street because everybody else is opening shit and leaving. It's like, come on, somebody's got to stay. Yeah, you know. So that's what it was. Let's it was stick all it out of it. And the great thing, it was like the Wild West, though, because I was able to do things that you know, 
like this one partner of mine he goes, well, I want to, we should we should open our restaurant in, in Beacon. Uh, Beacon. He goes, there's a lot of storefronts over there. Now, and I sat there and said, well, there's a lot of storefronts over there at this time and juncture at Beacon because they make money on the weekends. What do these businesses do Monday through Friday? There's no business in there. No. So if there was a weekend business, and a lot of places were playing high rent, mm. and that's what happened. And once again, it could be a number of factors, mismanagement, who knows. But the thing is, there was a lot of storefronts open. Here, I'm in Newburgh. I'm under the radar. Yeah. Mm. First off, you know, it, you know, it, yeah, nobody cared. And the rent was reasonable. Then he'd say, well, my friends are afraid to come to Newburgh. I said, wait a second. Are you the same guy that promotes punk shows when people are beating the shit out of each other in the mosh pit? <laughs> and yet yeah. you're afraid to walk out of a record store yeah, and make exactly. their own fucking turn? Yeah, yeah, I said, exactly. God, I you know, hope they don't make men like you anymore. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's true. It's so true. that's, I had a year and a half, and that's it. So you know, I love music, and that's why I've got breasts on the wall for breast cancer fundraisers and I, th- I mean, I, I think everything about the warehouse is very ne- unique as, as far as what you guys have been able to do with it. And I think that um, it's interesting nowadays um, because to be able to sustain yourself is in itself itself a just a... A, a big kudos to you to be able to do because in, in to the, you know, everybody's just shutting down left oh. and right, left and right, left and right. So yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's, what do we call it? It's, it, you just have to keep adapting. Gotcha. Adapt. Sure. Yeah. You, you know, you can't sit and wait. You serve the same thing every, every year for years and yeah. the same decor, and you have the picture of somebody on the wall. Okay, you're going to have your regular customers. This is no longer the days where, like, if you grew up in a town, uh, you'd have multi-generational people living in the town. You went there. Your kids would go to the I restaurant. Agree. That doesn't happen. Your kids now move away. I agree. So you don't have that continual small-town tavern. And there's the change. There's a lot of it in, in consideration. Of this. Absolutely. A lot of it. Constantly tweak and evolve. <laughs> yeah, and you have to keep an eye. I read magazines. I watch what's going on, like this whole Smashburger thing, which, yeah. you know, this and, and uh, a yeah. number of things. And I go, you know, we have. you just have to keep your eye on the market. But you have, your, once again, you have to know who you are. I sell burgers. I sell chicken. I sell vegetarian food, Okay. I could throw a steak on. I'm not a steakhouse. I used to do barbecue when I first opened. But when Billy Joe's opened and then Brothers Barbecue, okay, yeah, I said, yeah. I pulled back. Yeah. Because why am I going to, why? They're doing barbecue and it's like, no, I'm making it just, you know, I have to wa- you have to watch your neighborhood. You know, you don't, every, the more the merrier. You know, if there's another burger place on the street, fine, good luck. Whatever it may be, you know, it's all you. good. Because people yeah. are going to walk down the street. Makes sense. You know? I think um, we learned a lot about today. Vin, where are we at? We're at, time. we're at time. First of all, Dan, please tell us where we can see you as far as the warehouse in Newburgh. Give us the address where address. people can see you. It's a 119 Liberty Street. 119 Liberty Street. Right, block, one block off of Broadway one on, block. You know, on, on, on Liberty. Um, right on the corner. I'm going to tell you guys that... Um, it's the first thing you see when you walk on Liberty Street and Ann. I have had the burger there. It is unbelievable. I think that um, anybody out there who wants to visit Newburgh needs to visit the warehouse. I think it's an incredible environment. Um, I think what Dan has done here with his with his spouse is unbelievable. And 
for us in Newburgh, it's something of a rarity because you know what? We're trying to figure out what places are really, really good to go to. And, you know, there's a mainstay here that's been over here for over 15 years that we just really appreciate. So, Dan, we really appreciate you coming in today. Also, and for being Mike, on the show, we'd like to uh, give you oh, absolutely commemorative coins. Oh, look commemorative at this, Mike and Al podcast. There we go. Wow. There we go. Double-headed. Double-headed. Uh, one on sure. one side, one on the other. Uh, we're going to definitely uh, promote this, and we're going to promote uh, the warehouse. And um, Mike, anything else to uh Just Thank you very say? much for being on. Absolutely, yeah, I appreciate man. you. Come uh, over. We could talk movies. Telling us the ins and outs. Yeah, but come yeah. over one day. We could talk movies. All right, just around the corner. Absolutely, literally. So, but it was a real pleasure. I thanks. I was I was flattered to be invited. We, we you know, when you get to a certain point in your in your career, people ignore you or they run you out of rail. <laughs> no, why? We don't have I like as I said when I sit there about my place. I sit there. I opened up. I was new and innovative. Some people refer to it as a shining beacon of light on the corner. Yeah. And now, now it's like now I maybe I'm the old gin mill. That's why I've aspired to become the old gin mill. But uh, I'm not. Well, gin mill. I'm, yeah. Believe it or not, I think I think the warehouse is known very well in this area as just being a uh, yeah has a good a reputation. I was just fishing for compliments, guys. <laughs> okay, well, you got it. <laughs> you got it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> That means we get a free burger. Sometime. There you go. Come yeah, over. Right. Lunch is on me. I know the owner. <laughs> right. Just don't so. ask my wife for it. Outs. So, Mike. Is your wife pretty tough? Mike, oh, you yeah. got hey, go to go out. She keeps oh. me from living in a box. <laughs> All right. That concludes our, right? Yeah. We're doing an out or no? Oh, uh, yeah. This concludes our show. Dan, thanks very much for being my on pleasure. the show. Dan Brown from the Dan warehouse Brown, in Newburgh. Dan Brown from the warehouse. We really appreciate yeah, you coming and, over and again. And again, um, the warehouse in Newburgh. If you want a burger anywhere from Manhattan all the way up to Albany, you want to stop anywhere between, stop at the warehouse in Newburgh. If Best you, burger, if you, no if, doubt. If you bring a copy of the Da Vinci Code, I will autograph it. <laughs> there, there we, we go. go. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for tuning in.